Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
was shot today as police arrived to investigate two grisly murders. say the women's feet were sewn together at the bottom of the first two of the mirror images of each other. There's more to an artist than this world can ever satisfy. And so, ultimately, an artist is perpetually incomplete, doomed to feeling the immediacy of worlds just within their mind's reach, but forever beyond grasping. This is the exquisite and perhaps exclusive torment of the artist. Vision without substance, knowledge without power. And it is here where an artist is either born or broken, where the dead world becomes master or adversary. You see, if such a visionary is to succumb to the limitations of the world, they will forever dwell amid the ruins of their own mind, just a tourist wondering at all the beautiful squander, imagining how it all could have been, but can never now ever be. However, should a dreamer take up the challenge of his vision, to embody it, bring it into the world, then that's the precise moment a dreamer becomes an artist. One who would change the universe, either by creating what never was, or by recalling what has been altogether forgotten. All told, a wonderfully, if horribly doomed, enterprise. It was my mother who taught me what an artist truly is. And so I refuse to believe that such lessons, and the time and energy required to properly impart them, would have been wasted on anyone less than her own son. But what I saw and was told by the madman's dream could not be minimized, no matter how hard I tried to keep my mind busy with the wonders of Tom Hush. On that score, it had become altogether obvious to me that my quarry had successfully hidden himself away in a tidy crowd of what appeared to be random occult murders, all of which were most likely perpetrated by unwilling enablers to the antler demon, merely puppets whose strings were manipulated from places beyond earthly reach. I was torn between tasks. On the one hand, I wanted desperately to speak with Marvin the monster, and on the other, I needed to seek out the latest pawn in Tom Hush's strange and murderous undertakings. Marvin would come to me eventually, seeking to strike my name from his list, so it seemed a waste of time to reverse my course to find him. Therefore, Tom Hush would garner the majority of my attention. The murder mentioned in the newspaper had taken place on the outskirts of Nighthead, forcing me to consider that the delicate pull of the shepherd's game had blended itself into my very thoughts, masquerading as choice and free will, causing me to believe it was by my resolve alone that I had come to the darksome city. And yet, it should be said that this realization did little to disarm my appreciation for the place. It was equally wondrous in the eyes of servants and sovereigns alike. Tom Hush was a strange addition to the game, I had no doubt the demon was killing in accord with its own inscrutable designs, and not at the behest of the shepherd, 
so I failed to see the reason for his inclusion in the contest. That is, unless he functioned as a test to further demonstrate the mettle of those who had been chosen for the game. Or, perhaps, he was a rival of the wolf herder, and the shepherd's game served as an effective means to eliminate him. Provided, of course, that Tom Hush didn't eliminate all the competition first. Regardless, he was on my list, and now that I knew Nighthead was predestination rather than mere destination, there was only one place in the city I could reasonably expect to find a straight-jacketed lunatic. I sampled the city's delicate secrets as I slipped from shadow to shadow, moving closer to my quarry, trying as best as I could to collapse the distinction between the darkness within and without myself, if only to slip the red relentless hands of my father from turning my mind away from certain smoldering memories. My father. He taught me how to summon the fire of my body, how to own it and how to kill with it. He showed me death, let me hold it in my hands, play with it, master it. I remember the weight of his shadow, the smell of his ruined skin, and the thunder that lived in his voice. And now, after everything he was to me, he would deny me what is mine. But if he would not step aside, then I would have no choice but to force him to recall the one lesson I had taught him. The one he had failed to teach me, how to die. The approach to Northman Hill's sanitarium was thick with trees, which only assisted me as I made my way to the main fence that enclosed a number of small gardens and koi ponds. A single leap, out of range of the cameras affixed to the light poles around the main gate, put me on the other side of the fence. I stared up at the building, soaked to its steel and concrete bones with madness, in awe of the wild dreams it helped to trap. I could feel the shadows of the place, fully contaminated by the aforementioned insanity, whispering into my ears with voices that sounded like crooked songs, long since lost of their alliance with meter and tempo. They were a pleasant enough gang of shades, however, offering me their shelter as I slipped into and beyond a service entrance that had been foolishly left ajar. The inside of the sanitarium was measured with a hidden purpose, every inch of it the facade of a practiced sociopath, calm, cool, and gentle with flourishes of false empathy and placid in places where one might expect a dash of compassion. There was the softest music playing into the blackness of the hallways, of a type that poured too much sugar into one's ears, its sweetness seasoning the false face of the madhouse. I nearly laughed at the structure's overwrought attempts at serenity. I entered the first room I came upon. Inside was a slumbering man, secured to his bed via a series of strong leather straps. As I had hoped, there was a button located on the bed that could be pressed to summon an orderly or nurse. The man on the bed awoke quietly, looking at me with no small amount of concern. He didn't speak, but only eyed my father with fear. I'm sure I was an awful sight, with my coat of shadows and red-dimmed family eager to escape their resting places. I looked down at the restrained man, 
and put a finger to my lips. He understood. He even smiled as I moved to push the staff button. There is seldom any love lost between the insane and their keepers. As I awaited the arrival of an orderly, I chatted casually with the interred man, who informed me that the staff was rather slow to respond to summons. The man, Cecil Barnes, was pleasant enough, and even possessed a delicate sort of sanity, whereby a single thought out of place could send it crashing to the ground. I decided to inform Cecil's swaying mind with tales of my exploits. His dreams would be joined with my own, and I could only wonder at what shapes they might assume when joined with the rest of the fevered nightmares haunting the man's sleep. The orderly was not pleased to see me, much less the stinging smiles of my sisters. I handled him a bit rougher than was necessary, for Cecil's sake. Where is David Link? I asked. The man swallowed deeply, his eyes like saucers. Room 349, he answered. I rarely, if ever, actively deny myself the pleasure of my art. But never before had I set myself against a living deity from antiquity, and so I left the orderly unconscious in the half-lunatic's bathroom, so as to disallow his death to function as a glowing beacon in the ether. I also loosened Cecil's straps. What happens, happens, I mused. When I stepped into the hall, it became immediately apparent that all was not well with the darkness. It seemed too rich, like the soils of a nightmare, where graveyards become gardens and forbidden things bloom from blight. It seemed as if the insanity of the patients was somehow being leaked into the darkness of the hallway, whipping it into a frenzy, shaping it. There could be only one reason for such a disturbance. Tom Hush, despite my caution, knew I was coming. It should be noted that not all madmen possess a suitably tractable insanity for Tom's purposes. You see, some lunatics are not entirely distinct from artists. They court dreams just as surely as we do, but regrettably, their refusal to accept defeat, for their efforts at conjuring solid dreams, leads them to attempt to embody their work, losing themselves within it. And like art, they become mere symbols for what can never live beyond imagination. Yet despite the failure of it all, there is a secret wisdom in madness, of a type reasoning men can never know. It was that dark apprehension that Tom Hush, the lord of dark secrets, was working through, molding monster from madness. While Tom was busy endowing the shadows with lungs, I couldn't help but laugh at the passing sights. The masters of the mad were being overtaken by the now monstrously incarnate infirmities of their tethered clientele. A fairly stout man, who was clearly happy only when cruelly exercising his limited authority, was being filled with locusts, and no small representations of the species either. The faces he made as the insects turned him into a human hive were beyond entertaining. When they came bursting out of his mouth, flying away with chunks of his organs, I nearly burst open myself, 
but it was the madness-repurposed custodian with a handgun that I was forced to direct my strictest attention. He tried to say something, which his new foot-long tusks made quite difficult, as my sister passed through the pipes of his throat. Likely something terribly menacing passed along from the mind of Mr. Hush, but I had little time for the exchange of threats, as unfortunate as that was. My shoulder opened the way into an adjacent room, as the way before me had become complicated by a web of barbed and knotted flesh, embellished by dripping spears and hooks fashioned from the bodies of once custodians. Some of them were still trying to push screams out of their crimson-smeared mouths, those who still possessed that particular orifice, anyway. The red dream was upon me again, engaged, no doubt, by my proximity to my prey. My strength ignored the customs of its construction, allowing me to smash through the wall and circumnavigate the fleshy human barrier with relative and enjoyable ease. Humorously, some of the remaining wardens and a small group of garden-variety madmen took me for their savior, following upon my path, hoping that I might even deliver them from the wickedness besieging the place. I had never been thought of as such, so I decided to indulge the fantasy, if only for the opportunity to paint nightmares into their troubled slumbers to come. I could feel a lingering animosity as I gripped my father, yet it was no time for griping, and so he yielded to my strength and allowed me to lift him into the air. But before I brought him down upon the wall, which would have likely freed my small bevy of well-wishers, I decided to grant my father a boon for reconciliation's sake. When I handed my father to one of the custodians, the uniformed man smiled as if I had done him the favor. <laughs> my father's strength was a poor fit for the man's body, and so the eager custodian's muscles began to rip and tear, for my benefactor exercised a willpower that ordinary flesh and blood could not contain, at least not without great and horrific expense. Unfortunately for my small gathering of followers, my father did not relish the role of savior and quickly annihilated the small group, howling and laughing and roaring all the while. Together, my father and I tore through the sanitarium, decimating the shapes that madness made, closing on room 349. As quickly as I might have regained my father's approval, I just as quickly and foolishly decided to stoke fires best left to die. Why won't you stand aside, father? I must know. The hallway we walked was empty save for darkness and the echo of battle. My father, still wearing the wrecked body of the now dead custodian, paused briefly. He did not speak, but only let his silent menace attempt to extinguish my curiosity. At least, that's what I believed he was doing. My father struck out, his axe destroying the wall behind me. I barely escaped. The attack was not a warning. It was a killing blow. And what, pray tell, do you want to know exactly? It wasn't my father's voice. At first, I'm embarrassed to admit, I didn't understand. But a few moments more and I knew myself for the complete fool I was. Here may be your father, child, but his secret 
That belongs to me. And now, so does he. <laughs> oh, what a secret he keeps, my boy. Suddenly, Mr. David Link appeared, the shadow of the antlered god Tom Hush looming behind him. He and my father turned to face me, their eyes seething with death, rage, and a terrible curiosity. After staring at me for some time, Tom Hush spoke again. In time, all things are reborn, in one form or another, to lope across the stage of life one more time in an infinity of pointless returns. But not you. It pleases me more than you could ever know to rob you of your fate, to sup upon one of the blackest secrets I have ever had the pleasure of knowing. Before I knew it, my father was bearing down upon me. For some reason, all I could think of was Cecil and what he might be doing to the unconscious orderly. What happens, happens, I thought. My sisters rose against our father, all of us wearing smiles that had been worn countless times before by gods and the fools who amused them. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 